0: Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch, London. For more information and resources, please go to Christchurchlondon.org. Okay, we have 53 minutes to go, and in the next 53 minutes you will have every one of your final questions about the trinity answered um that's not going to happen so um but what i want to do in this final section really is just think about well how does this make a difference to our lives um how does this affect the christian life and actually there are loads of different ways we could look at this um and some of the books that i've recommended on the back page uh may be particularly interesting to you if you want to know more about this. But I just want to focus on a a couple of things, really, about how it enriches our sense of what the Christian life is and how it enriches our prayer and our worship. Um, And so if you turn over to the the page with a slightly odd um, angular diagram um, entitled The Trinity in the Christian Life, how can we recognise the Trinity in our Christian lives? Um, So Emmanuel and I were talking during the break and he was talking about, you know, earlier when I talked about the imminent in the economic trinity, it just seemed a bit abstract, like So what? But then when you actually start to think about the way that the Trinity works in creation and salvation, the way it's revealed there, and what that then tells us about the nature of God eternally, like it grounds it and you suddenly think, oh yeah, what I see there tells me these eternal truths that I'd have no access to otherwise. And so as we reflect on the Trinity in action here, it just widens your horizons to think, I now know so much more about God as a result. And just starting with the one little thing you build up and you suddenly find you learn so much more about the Trinity. Um, Fred Sanders says this, anybody who has encountered God in Christ through the Holy Spirit has come to know the Trinity, but not everybody in this position knows that they know the Trinity. When uh, When they move to that next level of knowing that they know the Trinity, a bright light shines on everything they knew before. (laughs) that was a slightly confusing sentence but basically not every one of us knows that we know the Trinity but all of us who are followers of Christ know the Trinity in some sense we've experienced something of the Trinity and when we take time to reflect on the bits that we have experienced uh, and then we broaden our horizons we find out that we know more of the Trinity than we know that we know of the Trinity if I can put it like that as we start focusing on our current experience and we re- we th- rethink it within a trinitarian framework we realize that we are only in this position enjoying the christian life because of the trinity whether we think we understand the trinity or not, all of us has encountered the Trinity. Francis Schaeffer says this, it's possible to be a Christian and yet not not take advantage of what our vital relationship with the three persons of the Trinity should mean in living a Christian life. We must first intellectually realise the fact of our vital relationship with the triune God and then in faith begin to act upon that realisation. So actually as we take all the stuff that we've talked about today, some of which has been hard, some of which has been very complex, some of which has raised lots of philosophical uh, questions which we haven't really been able to answer, but we start to reflect on that and broaden it out. We realise the Trinity is not just a maths problem of three and one, it's actually, it affects everything. And we have been shaped by the Trinity, whether we know it or not the challenge now is taking what is intellectually true and broadening it out to realise and notice the activity of the Trinity in our lives. And um, this little diagram on the right, uh, it shows a, well, I guess in one sense it shows the relation of different doctrines within Christianity, um, but also it shows a model for how when you reflect on your own experience and broaden it out, it leads you to an awareness of the triune nature of God. Um, so four doctrines. Soteriology has to do with salvation. Um, atonement has to do with well, the cross and the way in which our sins are dealt with. Incarnation is to do with the word taking on flesh and Trinity. Well, if you don't know what that is by now, <laughs> I have messed up this day. But as a model, um, this, this shows how actually reflecting on personal experience and broadening that out leads us to a rich understanding of the Trinity. So if I were to think about soteriology, if I were to think um, about what it means to be saved, I would think, wow, I am saved by Jesus. I am saved by, by the blood of Christ on the cross. But then as I reflect, more on how that works, I'm I'm then moving to think about atonement, I'm thinking about the mechanics of that. I think, well how did Jesus bring about this kind of salvation? And I might reflect on some of the passages that this group were looking on and I realise, hang on, he didn't do this alone, uh, and it might broaden my understanding a little bit. And then I start to think, well so who is this Jesus who is sent by the Father who interacts with the Spirit? And as I start to think about who Jesus is, the incarnation, I might think, well, who is this Jesus if he's capable of saving me in this kind of way? And and I broaden, I start to think about the character of Christ and his interaction with the Father, which leads me to the Trinity. And then I think, well, if Jesus is capable of doing this, who must the God be who sent jesus who must the spirit be who empowered jesus and i've gone from thinking about my own personal experience of having sins dealt with to suddenly realizing that's just a tiny little thing in a massive theological framework of the trinity and so just reflecting on personal experience shouldn't just make us feel grateful for one or other members of the trinity it should help us to see the whole work of the triune god so actually in evangelical churches like like ours um There are a whole load of phrases or concepts that we use all the time uh, which are deeply Trinitarian in nature, we just don't think about it because we're just used to saying these particular words and thinking of God as one singular entity. Um, but actually, when you reframe them in Trinitarian language, it brings a depth to it that you might not have th- thought of before. For example, we talk about getting saved. <laughs> um, and that just sounds very pedestrian, doesn't it? Uh, I got saved or whatever. Have you? Are, are you saved? Actually, let's broaden that out. Think about what that really means. In a tr- Trinitarian framework, to be saved means being adopted by encountering the gospel trinity being drawn into the relationship that exists between father son and the holy spirit and always has done the father who was a father even before we were adopted as his as his sons inc- uh, invites us into that relationship and we just call it getting saved <laughs> it's a trinitarian thing knowing jesus personally we talk do you have a personal relationship with jesus christ that sounds like just you and one person. No, the Spirit joins us to the life of Jesus. When we respond to the offer of salvation through Jesus from the Father, the Spirit joins us into that relationship. It takes a phrase that we just throw out there and makes it richly Trinitarian. We think about devotional Bible reading. Actually, it's not just me and a text. It's about hearing the Father's word given to us through the Spirit, through this text that we're reading. It's Trinitarian in nature. We think about conversational prayer. Actually, it's, it's prayer, well, we'll come to this in a moment, but it's prayer to the Father in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. When we pray, it's a Trinitarian thing. And so just, if, if I can get you to do nothing else today, um, just as you go away, as you start to think, as you worship tomorrow, whatever songs we sing in worship, whatever the sermon is like, um, Achieve you coming to Christ, which is about being empowered by the Spirit. Hopefully, it will be a good one. Um, I'm not doing it, so I can't guarantee that, but you know. Um, but start to ask yourself not just, oh, how's this between me and God? Am I worshipping God right now? But how is the whole of the Trinity working here? How am I able to worship now? Is that just because of God in some singular sense? Or. Where do I see Jesus at work here? Where do I see the Spirit at work here? Where's the Father at work here? Just try and think through your whole church experience, your whole life, through the lens of the Trinity. It brings a real richness to it. And I just want to focus, really, on one aspect, which is prayer. Um, But really, just because I'm focusing on prayer doesn't mean that I think this is the only way it affects it. I want to use prayer almost as a a paradigm for how we can think Trinitarianly, if that were a word, um, in a whole load of areas of the Christian life. But let's focus on prayer. Turn over the page. Um, Here's this this, uh, paragraph from C.S. Lewis. And actually, it's a paragraph that follows on from the bit we read earlier. (laughs) Um, He says, You may ask, if we cannot imagine a three-personal being, what is the good of talking about him? Well, there isn't any good talking about him. The thing that really matters is being actually drawn into that three-personal life. And that may begin any time tonight, if you like. What I mean is this. An ordinary, simple Christian kneels down to say his prayers. He is trying to get in touch with God. But if he is a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God. God, so to speak, inside of him. But he also knows that all his real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the man who was God. That Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, praying for him. You see what's happening? God is the thing to which he is praying, the goal he is trying to reach. God is also the road or bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal. So the whole threefold life of the three-personal being is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom when an ordinary man is saying his prayers. If you take a moment just to sit and pray, you are encountering the Trinity, whether you think of it or not, whether you feel you understand it or not. So when we talk about the Trinity, and some people say, well, we can't understand it, what's the point of talking about it? This is the point of talking about it. You are encountering the Trinity whether you know it or not, but I will put it to you that if you know it, you're going to enjoy it in far more depth. We need to see the Trinity at work in all of our lives. And let's think a little bit about about prayer in particular. And we're just going to do a little bit of group work. Um, We're a bit short on time, so I'll try and keep this really short and focused, but in your two groups uh if you could just look at these verses John 14 5 to 17 and 1 Corinthians 2 6 to 16 and you're going to have to be super quick on this I'm going to say well I'll see where you're at in five minutes if I'm generous I may give you seven who knows uh, but ask what do these verses tell me about the trinity and what difference do they make to my life so let's go for the group that was over here, John fourteen five to seventeen. The group over here, one Corinthians two verses six to sixteen. Okay, we're just going to go through this really quickly. Um, but actually, like we could, you, you could have spent an hour reflecting on those passages. Uh, they are deep passages. But hopefully, actually, we've got tools throughout the day to be able to go away and reflect deeper on them. Uh, you may want to do that at some point this week, um, and in particular we won't have time to read through the passages right now, so you guys won't have heard John 14 and you guys won't have heard 1 Corinthians 2. But um, just throw out a few ideas, uh, uh, John group, just throw out a few things that come to you from this passage um, about uh, what these passages tell us about the Trinity and what difference it makes to our lives. Quickly, any thoughts? It just shows the Trinity so completely. So you're saying if you know one, then you know the other. So you know Jesus, you know the Father... Mm. Um, And at the end, it's just about how uh, the Spirit will be with us, and whatever we ask for in Jesus' name, that's what He will do. So for me, it makes me think, why do I go Why am I not not engaging with us as much as I possibly can be? Particularly since you lead one of our prayer teams. That's. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes such a huge impact on our lives and what happens and yeah. therefore why you know why is that
1: not such a
0: fundamental part we see every day but. yeah yeah the, the whole Trinity gives us permission to ask for things in prayer like I don't know if you ever did that thing where you kind of go to one parent and you ask for something and they say no and you think, I'm going to go and ask the other one. <laughs> like, and uh, like sometimes we can feel like it's a bit like that with 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 God. It's like, oh, the Father probably, but Jesus is the nice one or whatever. Uh, like, it's not like that. Actually, there's this unity of will. Jesus is like, ask anything in my name. Ask the Father anything in my name. He'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll answer your prayers. It's like like the whole of the Trinity is inclined to answer our prayers. You're right. I mean, I was obviously joking about the prayer team thing, but like, I, I, I hear this and I'm like, why? don't i pray more like god's probably like come on i'm ready to give it to you just ask you don't ask and i'm just like an idiot that doesn't even think to ask whereas the whole of heaven is open to me yeah yeah we can ask anything any other thoughts You did have another thought, that's great. Yeah, definitely. So actually, I mean, this is, this this passage is, it sort of um, seems to talk about mutuality of different things, um, uh, different members of the Trinity, but also there are clear, distinct roles, aren't they? And, and Jesus says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to send you the Father. He, d- uh, no, Sorry, no, he doesn't. He says, I'm going to send you the Spirit. Um, and, uh, whoo! Um, but, but what he doesn't say is, I'm going to go and change masks and then come back as the Spirit in some kind of modalist way. Um, rather, you see that, the season of jesus being here on earth is over he's accomplished what the father sent him to do and now the spirit gets sent and so our relationship with him changes i mean it's still a relationship with the triune god but just through a different means Uh, and actually it's for our benefit for our benefit because i don't live anywhere near israel so i wouldn't, wouldn't see this one man jesus walking around yet i get to encounter the triune god because the spirit has been poured out yeah So I think this passage, just to add in a couple of things um, uh, quickly, and I know you would have got to these things, uh, but it's because I'm rushing you. Uh, We have access to the Father through the Son. Um, Jesus talks about the words he was speaking as if they carry the Father's authority. There is a shared authority there. Um, He talks actually about there being evidence in his works, evidence that he is the one who was sent by the Father. And then he tells us that we will do the same things that... He did. (laughs) And we're like, wow, that's incredible. We actually get to do things that, through the power of the Spirit, that have the same sort of, or carry the same sort of evidence that point people towards God. Like, that's, why don't I do that more? (laughs) Why don't I pray more? Why don't I trust God for things like that more? The Son glorifies the Father. They're of one will, but the Son is still trying to point people towards the Father. It's just, yeah, a beautiful depiction of the Trinity in action. Yeah. Great, let's switch to 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, Any particular thoughts that came through in your passage? Uh, What does it tell us about the Trinity and what difference does it make to our lives? yeah we have kind to that the to us yeah yeah that that is mind blowing isn't it yeah. like so so in the passage and you guys haven't read the passage but you may be familiar with it 1 Corinthians 2 um, so it talks about um, the spirit being the spirit of god uh, so there's this sort of hint really that the spirit is uh, Uh, is a divine figure Uh, verse 11 who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him so it's like none of us know what's going on really inside someone else just the spirit within them knows right so if the spirit of god knows what is going on in god and then that spirit is put in us suddenly we get to know things about the inner workings of god that we wouldn't have known otherwise and there's this huge massive like Revelation, But actually, it's talking about the Father and the Son. And then, like you say, at the end, it sort of summarises all, oh, but we have the mind of Christ. And it's just like the most throw. But We have the mind of Christ. <laughs> what? <laughs> we have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of God, the only one who knows what is going on in God, in us. We have the mind of Christ. Suddenly, you think, oh yeah, when it talks about mysteries being revealed to us, of course the mysteries are revealed to us. We now have the inner workings of God inside us, in a weird kind of mystical sense. Um, yeah things are revealed to us powerful mm. mm. yeah. yeah that's pretty impressive, huh, <laughs> yeah, it really is. yeah yeah I mean that 's a great question, and I think um, i I think partly it 's lack of knowledge and understanding. I think sometimes we don 't really realize what 's on offer and and so hopefully that today this has made you think um, wow there 's more on offer than I thought and uh, and we need to work out what it means, day-to-day basis, to have the mind of Christ. That certainly doesn't mean that every thought I think is the same that Jesus would have thought. I can tell you that for certain. <laughs> um, but, but it means that actually there is a potential of knowledge and understanding and a transformed life that is available to me that I don't tap into, like, a percent, let alone 100%. And that's um, and, and available. And it's not like God's like begrudgingly saying, "Well, you know, I could give it to you." Like He's inviting us to experience more of His Spirit, to know the mind of Christ, to be transformed by it. It's, yeah, it's powerful, and and we get to know things that would not be possible to know without the Spirit. So actually, in a weird kind of way, it takes pressure off evangelism as well, because I often feel like I, you know, I've got various friends I try and share the gospel with, um, and I really want them to come to understand the freedom that's available but actually no one knows these things except by the spirit i didn't get to know them without the spirit the only reason that i come to be a christian to enjoy the experience of life with the triune god is because the spirit made that possible for me and so when we're praying for people um actually as we're praying for our friends um, we should be praying that the whole trinity is on their backs <laughs> like um it, praying that god the father and the son and the spirit will be working to draw people's hearts to them Um, and obviously we get to play a part in that and we should take that seriously but actually it's about asking the Spirit would you do what you are capable of would you reveal Jesus and draw people to the Father through his Son and through your work yeah so I mean you, you may want to reflect on those passages further and hopefully they will help you a little bit um But actually transferring this into reality is the important thing. So how does this actually make us worship differently? How does this make us pray differently? Well, hopefully it will make us pray more boldly. Hopefully it will make us feel like we can ask bigger things. And we know that we've got the whole of the Trinity on our side inviting us to ask God and to answer our prayers. But then let's just take this to um, one sort of further level of depth, particularly on prayer, and, uh, and it's a question that a couple of people have asked me in the break, and I've sort of put off to now, um, but it's a question that people often ask, um, well, what do I do with that, like, who do I pray to, how do I pray in the light of the fact that the whole Trinity is listening, um, what do I do with that, and I think... Sometimes the way that we pray and worship can be confusing, and it can unintention it can show that we unintentionally have some faulty ideas about God, uh, and this come across in a whole load of different ways. So. Um, uh... Uh, I heard a worship leader the other day pray, uh, "Thank you, Father, that when you died on the cross, you." Like, oh no, <laughs> Father didn't die on the cross. Like, and I know it's just something that came out of his mouth, and I didn't stone him or anything like that. But um, <laughs> he's not here today. Um, but but actually, it just shows that, that we haven't necessarily thought through the distinction element enough. That you just think you can blur them all together now. You know, I, obviously, I'm just picking on that as a, I, I do that all the time. But sometimes some people pray, uh, Lord, Father, would you do the, You know, Jesus, and, and just like chopping and changing between names unthinkingly. Now, I'm not judging you or saying I do the same. Um, and one of the reasons why I didn't get anyone to lead us in prayer at the beginning because I thought you might feel terrified, like, oh, am I going to get marks out of 10 minutes? Um, uh, but actually, I think sometimes it shows um, a lack of thoughtfulness about how the Trinity works and I found um not in a way I don't want to make anyone feel immobilized like you must make sure you get every word right because it's not like that at all uh, but actually I find there's a richness to actually thinking about the way I pray and expressing things uh, with a Trinitarian understanding it makes me more aware of the power of prayer and the invitation of prayer um and so when we're thinking about prayer or we're thinking about worship um Some people will say, well, is it okay to pray to any member of the Trinity? Or, like, do you just pray to the Father? Um, Like, how does this work? And I think there are various different answers to it, really. Uh, Or who should we worship? I mean, interesting uh, idea. Think about the songs, not while you're worshipping tomorrow, worship tomorrow, um, but maybe go away from it and think about the songs that you sung in worship and think, how many of them are about the Father? How many of them about the Son? How many of them about the Spirit? Um, Is our worship Trinitarian, or is it binetarian or monetarian <laughs> or nunitarian. Here, I can think of one worship song that mentions no member of the Godhead which is interesting and um, I won't tell you which it is but Rich Butt wrote it and uh, no he didn't um, uh, <laughs> um, but like think, think about our worship, how much is it slanted one way or the other and is there a problem with that um, and the same with our prayer life as well. Um, again, just coming back to the shield of the Trinity, the three things that we need to uphold are the deity, the unity, and the distinction of the persons of the Trinity. Um, and with that in mind, I think actually knowing that the, the Trinity are all divine uh, means that all three persons of the Trinity are equally God, and so they are worthy of our praise and worship. I think that's part of the implication of the deity idea. The unity, there is only one God. So actually it's not the case of going to one God over another, like playing parents off against one another. There is one God unified. But distinction means that the persons of the Trinity have different roles. So it may actually be appropriate to um, address the members of the Trinity on the basis of their roles. Uh, And conversely, if we end up blurring the roles and talking about the Father on the cross, for example, or the Spirit taking on flesh or whatever, we run the risk of modalism. It shows at the sort of best, just sloppy thinking, uh, and at worst, heretical thinking, um, flattening them out and de- denying mere distinctions. Let's just look at a couple of verses, and we'll just flick through these really quickly. Um, in fact, maybe I'll just try and go quickly through them and read them out. But um, what do these verses tell us about who we should direct our prayers to and why? I'll read them out and then shout out your thoughts. Uh, John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you... This is Jesus, by the way. Um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. What does that tell us about prayer? Ask who in Jesus' name? The yeah, yeah, that's it. So ask the Father anything in Jesus' name and, 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 um, and the Father may give it to you. Yeah. Great. Uh, John 14, 14. Actually, go, uh, hmm, have I got this one? Let's do 13 first. Uh, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Ask in Jesus' name. Ask who in Jesus' name? Lord. No. Jesus. Oh, Jesus in Jesus' name. Yeah. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Yeah, we call upon the name of Jesus. Yeah, we are sanctified by Jesus and we call on his name. And incidentally, I think um, this is probably a reference here back to Psalm one hundred sixteen four, where it talks about calling on the name of the Lord. But there, the name of the Lord is Yahweh. Uh, here it's Jesus, which is, well, interesting. So <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians 12 um, Verses 4 and 11. Uh, verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts with the same spirit. Verse 11. Uh, All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's a bit more oblique, this one. But um, what's this, what are these verses telling us? The spirit is the one who gives gifts, yeah. Now, it doesn't say anything about who we ask for the gifts. But I put it to you. If the spirit is the one who gets to choose who gets the gifts... Might it be appropriate to ask the spirit to give us the gifts? Like the of the spirit. Yeah. But I mean, I mean it doesn't explicitly tell us, but if I'm sitting around a dinner table, I'm not going to go, um, hey, can you pass that person to ask me the salt. I'm going to say, "Hey, can you pass me the salt," you know? And, and in the same sort of way, I think the fact that the spirit gets to choose who gets the gifts and the spirit is the one who gives the gifts as he wills, is maybe a suggestion that if I am wanting spiritual gifts, I can ask the spirit. Yeah eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that come from the Spirit. I think we are within our rights to ask the Holy Spirit for those things. Ephesians 4 um, and verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If I were to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, who should I apologise to? Holy Spirit of God, God, yeah, I mean again this doesn't explicitly say apologise to the Holy Spirit, but it reminds us that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, a person who is capable of being grieved if I think I'm in danger of grieving the Spirit I'm not going to say, Father would you ask for forgiveness from the Spirit Like, I I think there is an invitation to treat him as a person, and to engage with him on that basis Uh, Revelation 22, verse 20 right at the end come on (laughs) right in the middle of the index at the moment. Um, I've done a series on Revelation in theology masses. Yeah, why weren't you there? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did a few years ago, probably about five years ago. Uh, all the recordings are up on the website. So, uh, no, no. Do check it out. Yeah, all the recordings are there. No, absolutely. I, I would like to do Revelation again at some point. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. What's going on there? It's, yeah, it's crying out to Jesus. Again, it's not like, Father, pass the salt, send your son. Like, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. I think we have permission to pray to any member of the Trinity. Because they are all God, they are equally God. And yet, there is a sense in which actually being thoughtful about the way we engage with God is helpful. So asking the Spirit for spiritual gifts is not the only way we can pray for spiritual gifts. We can ask any member of the Trinity for that. We can ask anything in Jesus' name. Um, But actually just thinking about it like that maybe just adds a richness and a depth to the way we think about prayer. That said, I do think that the model the Bible suggests um, is that we pray to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. And you can see this any sort of number of ways, really. Uh, If you look at the diagram at the bottom, we see it from God's perspective and our perspective. From God's perspective, Matthew 6, the Father knows what we need before we ask. Um, He's already waiting to hear our prayers. Hebrews 4, the Son is a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness and gives us confidence to approach. And in Romans 8, the Spirit intercedes for us and helps us to pray. From our perspective, we don't know that the Father knows that what we want before we ask, but we come to the Father with our requests, Matthew 6, verse 9. We have access to the Father through the Son, Ephesians two eighteen, and the Spirit intercedes for us and helps us to pray. So I think what I would say is don't get overly worked up with prayer, but be thoughtful about it think why am I engaging with this member of the Trinity or who should I ask about this knowing that they are one don't allow yourself to overemphasize the distinction and miss the unity think about the deity distinction and unity of all members of the Trinity but I would say that the the primary model for prayer Fred Sanders puts it as praying with the grain of the Trinity, like the flow of the Trinity uh, in terms of prayer is to the Father through Jesus by the Spirit I think that's the way it's set up, that's the way the conversation is meant to flow and so actually if I'm coming to pray um, I often do feel like I'm I'm approaching the Father, and I know I'm approaching the Father through the Son. The Son has made it possible, and I'm doing so in the power of the Spirit. And thinking of that as my default model for prayer means that I'm sort of praying with the whole flow of the way that everything Trinitarian works. But that doesn't mean that at times it's not appropriate just to say, Holy Spirit, I am lacking some character here. I know that you are the one who gives the fruit of the Spirit, and so would you help me to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, whatever it happens to be. Or Jesus, I, I particularly want to think about um, how I forgive others. Uh, or, uh, or Jesus, I want to particularly think about um, the difference the cross makes in my life. And so I thank you for the cross, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's appropriate to tailor our prayers, but the whole flow generally is to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And I think the same is true of our worship as well. So tomorrow, as we worship, think about that. Who am I praying here? Who am I praying to? Who am I worshipping? When I'm saying the word God, what am I thinking? What's in my mind? Uh, Who's enabling this worship? Um, Hopefully that will add a sort of depth to our understanding of worship and the experience that we have. And sometimes, and maybe this is something to talk about on another day, but sometimes I find it really helpful just to imagine... Um, not by imagine God as if he is a person or whatever, but just to engage your mind more in prayer. So it's not just words coming out, but you're thinking about the cross. You're thinking about... Um, Oh wow, at that moment of the baptism, Jesus came out of the water and the Spirit came down and a voice came from heaven. And you can almost picture it in a way that makes you, it just puts flesh on your prayers in a weird kind of way. It gives you depth. Use your imagination to imagine the whole Trinity at work in your little bedroom, your ordinary little bedroom, when you're praying your ordinary little prayers, as the Lewis puts it. What I want to do, just to end is to give you a moment to stop and reflect. And I'm aware that you I won't have answered every question that you had today. And there's loads of stuff that we could have looked at that we haven't looked at. And I'm happy to take questions at any point, talk further. We could do a whole follow-up day on this. Uh, I know people have asked questions about Jesus and his divine nature, human nature. and think, I'm thinking, well, maybe we need to do a day on the doctrine of Christ. Maybe we need to do some stuff on the Spirit. I'm happy to explore these further. But right now, I just want to give us a moment just to pause and to not allow these many, many questions just to... You know, occupy our minds, but to actually bring it back to God in worship. So, what I propose is this: on the final page of your, or the next page before the reading recommendations, um, I've put the Nicene Creed, um, which is a statement of faith that the Church has held for centuries now, and. You know, we say these creeds on Sundays, not as frequently in our church tradition as many do. Um, but when we do, often we just read off these propositions. i tell you, actually, the last time we... It was the Apostles' Creed we read out in church the other week, actually. Um, but I was in the midst of preparing this. And I, I honestly found it... a profound spiritual experience, reading these, thinking, I know why they've chosen that word and not that word. I know what they're trying to say there and what they're trying to guard against. It just felt really rich just reading through these things. I don't know how you engage best with God. Maybe it's not through something like this. Um, But here's my suggestion. Just for five minutes, let's read through the Nicene Creed just in silence by ourselves. And you may want to annotate it. You may want to note down words that you thought, oh, I've never... Thought about what that word means, but now I see it in a new light. Or you may just want to see, oh, I see why they've said that and not that, or how that joins with that. Think about how this creed helps you uh, to understand the Trinity. And you may have read this dozens and dozens of times before, hundreds of times, maybe, I don't know, um, depending on your background and tradition. But there may be ways that you see this creed differently on the basis of some of the stuff that we've talked about today. So I want to give you five minutes, scribble all over this page. whatever it helps you to do. And then I'd love us to pray and I won't be marking your prayers out of 10, uh, I promise. Um, But let's just turn this back to praising God. So five minutes to reflect on this and then we'll pray and worship. why don't we say these words out loud together and then um, why don't one or two people just lead us in prayer and it may be prayer inspired by lines of this, this creed or anything else we've talked about today. Um, we've just got a few minutes. So let's say the creed and then let's, let's pray. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.